This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi there, and welcome to the How to Be a Better Person podcast. I'm Kate. Since the pandemic is as bad or even worse than it's ever been, I'm replaying 10 of my favorite episodes from the Calm the F Down series that I ran in early April during the first COVID wave. Each day from now until December 11th, I'll share one simple thing you can do to lower your stress levels and deal with the uncertainty with grace. I'll be back with new episodes on December 14th to help us process this cuckoo bananas year and start 2021 off with clear eyes and full hearts, as Coach from Friday Night Lights would say. In the meantime, I hope you'll enjoy this chance to catch up on episodes you may have missed. What if you could become a better person, not by working harder, but by taking one small step a day? And not because you're a bad person now, but because there's something inside you that's ready for more. How to Be a Better Person gives you one tiny step a day you can take to be the person you want to be. My mission, to help you live your best life. Hey there, and welcome to day 10 of the 21-day challenge to calm the F down. We're almost halfway there, people. Although hopefully you've caught at least some of the previous days in this challenge, and you've already found some ways to get a little bit more of a grip in the midst of this global pandemic that we're facing. This week of the three-week challenge is all about how to reduce stress in your relationships, which, with all this together time, I'm guessing can start to feel some strain. Today's big idea is that an important part of reducing stress is getting real, and that means being honest with yourself and the people around you so that you don't have to exert the effort to act or feel some kind of specific way, and you can have more real connections. But there's a catch. Now that our kids are home 24-7, it can be hard, to say the least, to find the right balance of being honest and real with them. Up until this point, if your kids are old enough to go to school or they go to daycare or preschool, many of us only spent a few hours in the morning and a few hours at night with our kids. It's a lot easier to keep it together with them and be patient and thoughtful when it's for a finite amount of time. But it's a lot harder to be patient and thoughtful and honest all the live long day. (laughs) My kids are 10 and 12. They're staying up till 9.30 or 10 at night. I mean, it is all day long, people. I know my fellow parents are feeling this. So today, I am so happy to have my friend Judy Kettler. She's the author of the book, Would I Lie to You?, here with us. In her awesome and thought-provoking book, and I'm not saying that just because she's my friend, I adore Judy's writing. She takes a good long look at honesty and how we can embrace it to become happier and more connected to ourselves and the people around us. A big section in Judy's book is about being honest with your kids about everything from Santa Claus to grown-up topics like divorce. So I wanted to talk to her about how we need to think or maybe rethink about being honest with our kids now. So Judy, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Well, I just want to dive in. Before we kind of get into specifics, I was going to ask you, can you give us a quick rundown on the kinds of benefits we see when we start being more honest with ourselves and other people? I mean, what's in it for us? 
Sure. So um, the the biggest thing that is in it for us that I have found, and the research shows this, is that it creates connection, like social connectedness. There was a really interesting study that asked people to predict how it would feel if they had to be completely honest with everyone for three days. And people said things like, it would be horrible. It'd be the worst thing ever. It's going to ruin all my relationships. <laughs> um, but in reality, what they found when the researchers asked these people after it was over um, is that so many of them talked about how it created meaning and a sense of connectedness to the people in their lives. And so we really mispredict sometimes. We think honesty is going to be like really hard and really difficult. And it is sometimes hard and difficult, but we don't take into account that there are like that connection, the connection that can come from it, kind of that sense of that vulnerability, that connection. So connection is is the first benefit. The second thing is that we feel more aligned. So I talk a lot about this in the book, like, you know, the voice that you have in your head, and then kind of what you're showing to the world. And for me, those things often felt at odds with each other. And it wasn't until I really decided to kind of dive into honesty and like how I was, was I really being the honest person that I wanted to be? Um, it wasn't until I really dove into those things that I was able to feel like it was a little bit more aligned, a little bit more reconciled with who I wanted to be, who I wanted to be was more reconciled with like who I actually was being. So it basically just creates a space for self-awareness is, is the, the shorter way of saying that. And then the third thing um, around kids is that being honest with our children helps our children to trust us more. Um, there's research that shows that um, when kids, experimenters like were telling kids about this toy and when they purposefully didn't tell kids about some of the benefits of this toy and the kids discovered it on their own, the kids were less likely to then trust the experimenter in the next set of experiments. So, you know, does that completely carry over to parenting? I don't know. It was like puppets in a lab and children. But I think that there is something there that if we're not honest with our children, they're not going to trust us as much. Right. Um, I, I so think that's so interesting because they want the whole truth from us, right? Mm -hmm, I mean, you can right. sense that they do. But on but we have something going on right now, which is this huge, big, mm -hmm. scary pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so we want to be honest with them about it, but it's like just the totality of it is a really a lot for anybody to take in, yeah. much less somebody who's, you know, still developing cognitively. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, we're with them all day and we're all stressed yeah. and we're like trying to get work done and it's so easy to snap at them. And mm -hmm. sometimes... So sometimes like being honest when we're feeling irritable, like would come across as like, get away from me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes it's like, maybe we're feeling really sad or really overwhelmed, or we've just found out we've lost our job or somebody's in the hospital and we're like super sad. And it's kind of a lot to dump on a kid. So how does, how does what we're experiencing right now sort of change the stakes when it comes to being honest with our kids? That's a great question. And it's something that I'm thinking about a lot lately, because, you know, when I wrote the book, uh, I never even thought about <laughs> what would a pandemic do? Like how would a pandemic change any of this? Like that never once entered my head. <laughs> yep. uh, so, so it is, it's, you know, it's not so much rethinking because I do think values are values are values, right? But 
our behaviors are, are going to be different. So, you know, the first thing I would say is that it's okay to just like say to your kids, we're in crisis mode. We're operating out of crisis mode. So our kids' school has been really great about this. They're, my kids are nine and 11. So they're in elementary, fourth, a fourth grader and a sixth grader. And the school has been awesome. They've said like, listen, don't even use the words homeschooling. You're not homeschooling your kids. You're crisis schooling. Your job is just to get your kids through this. It's not really to feel like you have to be teaching them or to feel like you have to be on top of them about everything. We're, we're just trying to get through this together. And so different school districts are handling it in different ways, but I love the way our district is handling it. And so that's kind of because it helped me think about how I was going to frame what we're doing here at home, not just around schooling, but around a lot of different things. So just kind of being honest, like, yeah, we are in a crisis. This is this is a crisis. This is something I've never seen before. You likely will never, hopefully will never experience this again in your lifetime. It's unprecedented. So things are going to be weird. So I think just being super straight up about that. And then I think, you know, this is, it's hard because my kids are, they're super, they ask a lot of questions and it's, it's exhausting how many questions they asked. Oh, I can't. It, especially in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. it, I mean, it's right. It, it's, it's, and there is this tendency to just be like, just, just, I don't know. I don't know. Please stop asking. And so I certainly had moments where I just lost my patience and I was just like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the answer. Just please, just stop, stop asking. Just, can we stop talking about this, please? And I think that that's like, <laughs> it's important. So this is going to sound really contradictory, but I think it's important to answer your kids' questions honestly, but then it's also okay to get to a point where you're like, I can't talk about this anymore. Like I am emotionally spent. Let's set up, let's schedule another time where we can talk about this. But right now I can't talk about it. Like take a break because I've certainly had to do that. And I'm committed to like answering my kids honestly, but there are times where I've just been like, I can't. I don't have any space left to talk about this right now. Let's talk about it tomorrow or let's talk about it tonight after dinner or whatever, because it's, it's intense. Yeah, it is intense. Yeah. I mean, it, this is, this is really interesting because I feel like I'm hearing some, some themes in here in terms of like how we can internalize or, or start to rethink about how we're going to use honesty with our kids right now. And, and one is to be honest, but to do it within a context, like you're saying, like, this mm -hmm. is a crisis, you know, you're kind of putting a mm -hmm. container around it. You're not saying like, we don't know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. In a scary way, we're saying like, at this moment in time, we're not sure what's going to happen. So you're kind of putting a container around it, which I think sounds like mm -hmm. really helpful for them. Mm -hmm. And so it's so you can be honest about the facts within this container, and somehow it makes it more digestible. And then it also sounds like you need to be honest with them, maybe more so than ever, maybe not, but really honest with them about where you're at, like acknowledging that mm -hmm. in this crisis, you are also having your feelings. Like, I know that you have a lot of questions. I want, I don't know the answer to those questions. And not only that, I'm too emotionally like spent right now to even think about those questions, but that, that like letting them know that you're feeling emotionally spent. Mm -hmm is helpful for them. I'm always thinking that it's so important for kids are looking to us to see how to react. And um, if they can see us acknowledging our feelings, 
even though we may right. feel in that moment like we're not helping them because we're not giving them their answers, we actually are helping them quite a lot because we're just like letting them see us think about where we're at and communicating that to somebody else. And that's a pretty important skill that we don't necessarily think about a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there is this um, tendency to think, oh, we have to, you know, people use the analogy of like on a plane, when a plane is there's turbulence, everyone looks to the flight attendant to see how he or she is behaving. And if they're not freaking out, you don't freak out. And like, I get that. And that's not a bad analogy, but it kind of doesn't work right now. (laughs) Like, I'm probably going to freak out. Like that's, we can't be expected to not freak out. Like that's way too much pressure. (laughs) So I think it's completely okay to freak out (laughs) a bit, but to just be honest about it and be like, this is why I'm freaking out or I'm very cranky because I didn't sleep very well last night or I'm, you know, I have a lot of work to do and I like just being very honest about it versus trying to either pretend for their sake or just brushing off the questions. Um, I actually think brushing off the questions with a like, don't worry about that. Oh, don't worry about that is probably the worst thing that we could do. Maybe not so much for little, like little, little kids who aren't reading yet, um, who don't really have a way to search the internet. But pretty much as soon as your kid has any kind of device and an understanding of how the internet works and that they can search and find things, you have to answer their questions. (laughs) Because if you don't, they'll just find it. They'll just find it. They'll see. They'll see it on whatever, social media. TikTok. Text. TikTok. So even things like my daughter plays roadblock. Roadblocks. Roadblock. Roadblock. Oh, yeah. Teddy plays it too. (laughs) And she, right. And she, she texts with her friends, you know, so it's actually, it's a form of social media, right? And so it's okay. I mean, I, you know, I look at it with her. I, I, I trust her. We have a lot of conversations around it, but it's easier for parents to sometimes think like, oh, my kid isn't on. They're not on social media. They don't do any of that. Well, they probably do. And they're probably talking to their friends and they're probably talking to their friends a lot more. Right. Now. They're definitely, they're even chatting in the like Google classroom. They're chatting. Exactly. So like. It's okay to be like, I can't deal with this now. I can't answer this now. I'm stressed out. Like, but the brushing off and with the don't worry about it is is probably the thing that is like that I would not recommend. If you can't deal with it at that moment, that's totally fine. Be honest about it, but return to it when you can. Because otherwise, they'll it. get the information from somewhere else. They'll get the information from a meme. That's probably where <laughs> they'll get it. <laughs> oh, awesome. This is so helpful. And I feel like we've given everybody a lot of takeaways. But is there anything like kind of overarching or just like super practical that we could walk away from this conversation and start doing later today? Um, yeah. So there's a few things that I've really been thinking about lately that I've tried to put into place in my life. Um, and so one is kind of like, and this is very basic, but just looking at what is solvable about a situation and what is not solvable about a situation. You know, so our power went out because we had, we had storms. There was actually a tornado that touched down not too far from where we live. We didn't have damage, but our power went out for almost 24 hours. And I was like laying in bed early in the morning, you know, the power had gone out the night before. And I was like, what am I going to do? Like somehow thinking that like, I was responsible for turning the power <laughs> back on or so. I don't know what I was like. <laughs> I was just like, how can I solve this problem? What are we going to do all day? We have no power. We have no internet. They're not going to have any devices. Like, what are we going to do? 
And then I was like, okay, let me find a piece of this that's solvable. What's solvable is that I can get up and go to Kroger and get some ice and put it in a cooler and start to put the food in the fridge in the cooler. You know, so it's like looking for the the little part of something bigger that's solvable. That helps me kind of get through this crisis mode. So that's one thing that when I get really overwhelmed, I'm like, what's the little piece of this that's solvable? Because there's probably something solvable in this crazy situation. And then the other thing is something that um, I've, I hadn't really applied it to this situation before, but it's something that I started doing about a year ago. And I abbreviate it to W-I-I-A-A, like, what if I'm actually <laughs> awesome? And so it's like, <laughs> I was traveling with this uh, friend of mine who's, he's, uh, we work on projects together and um He's really funny and he's really like, I don't know, he just has this really funny sense of humor. And we were, we had to go to LA for this project neither one of us wanted to do. And he was like, um, he was driving and I was like, Toby, this like, how can you even like, isn't this so scary? Like driving on these freeways. And he's like, you know what? I just approach everything with wild overconfidence. He's like, I just bring wild overconfidence to everything I do. I just assume I'm going to be awesome at it. And like, he was kind of joking, but kind of serious and kind of flipped something inside of me that I was like, what if I just approach things with wild overconfidence, (laughs) you know? And so I started like trying to do this in little ways. And so what I'm trying to approach this situation is like, what if I'm actually awesome at a crisis? What if I'm actually awesome at getting my family through this? What if I'm actually awesome at being honest with my kids, what I need to be like, instead of defaulting to, Oh my God, I can't do this. I can't do this. It's like, what if I'm actually awesome at it? What if I just am wildly overconfident? And I don't know, it's silly, but it's helped me (laughs) in many moments over the last month. It's helped me to just be like, Hmm, what if I'm actually, All right. well, I have to ask the obvious question. I mean, I totally love that, but okay. So how does this relate to self-honesty? Just real quick, like if if we're pretending, because you can say, right? What if, right? What if I'm actually awesome at being (laughs) honest? Like you could, I mean, seriously, you know, like here's a little example: is like I can't go to yoga, right? None of us can go to our our exercise classes, and so I've been like moping around trying to do online classes, but I can't do them because the internet's too slow; it keeps lagging. And I'm like, I just, I'm, I suck at doing yoga by myself. I just, I can't do it. I can't, I can't get myself motivated. I need a class. I need a, and then yesterday I was like, wait a minute, Judy, what if you're actually awesome at doing <laughs> yoga by yourself? And so I went outside and I did it on my patio and actually it was this great class. It was this great little class I had with myself. So I think it's just kind of flipping a switch in how we think about something. So. Could, is it delusional? Maybe. But it's not. But that's if okay. you end up doing something awesome, then it was true. Right, right, right. Right, right. right. And the thing is, like, my friend Toby, he was awesome driving in that LA traffic. I mean, I, you know, yeah. <laughs> he was great. He was just like, I'm just going to assume that I'm going to be great at this. And then he was great at it. So, I don't know. I think that you got to pull. You got to pull right. out whatever well, you have. De- desperate times. I- I'm not saying these are desperate measures, but... Right. That is one of the gifts. And I think what you're talking about with what if I'm already awesome is kind of, it's kind of a reframe. It's just turning your typical thinking sort of on its head. And 
there are opportunities in this kooky, weird time that none of us would choose. And many of us are so excited to get out of as soon as we can. And some of us are more challenged than others. And my heart goes out to everybody who is feeling really up against the ropes Mm -hmm. for any number of very, very good reasons. And yet there are still some opportunities. And maybe that is to start to try on things like wild overconfidence or (laughs) why not? Why not? Awesome. (laughs) Right? Yeah. So hopefully that is a couple of helpful things that people can just try. Thank you so much, Judy. Loved having you. And everybody who is interested in learning more about what honesty has to offer you and how to do it in a way that lifts you up and makes you be a better person, because I know you care about that because you're listening to this podcast in the first place. Uh, check out What I Lie to You. It's available wherever you're buying books these days, which I hope might be your local independent bookstore. A lot of them are doing curbside delivery. And you can also go check out more about it at Judy's website, which is judyketler.com. J-U-D-I, Judy with an I. And then Kettler is K-E-T-T-E-L-E-R. If you're ever in doubt, just throw an extra E in there, right, Judy? That's what I think. <laughs> That's right. Just keep adding E's. <laughs> and thanks so much again. Now it's time for today's tiny assignment, which I like to call selfish shavasana. The best antidote I know to being crabby with my kids is taking some time to be alone. So today's tiny assignment is to take a selfish shavasana. <laughs> oh my gosh, try and say that 10 times fast. Shavasana. <laughs> I can't even say it. Shavasana is otherwise known as corpse pose. It's when you lie on the floor at the end of yoga class and try and really focus your mind on how your body feels and concentrate on letting your body just release all effort. So the way you take a selfish Shavasana, I said it, is that you tell everyone that you need to be alone. Okay? It's good for kids to understand that mommy needs alone time too. And then go into a room that has a door. This is super important. And then you shut the door. If you have a yoga mat, great, roll it out. If you don't, who cares? You just lie down wherever you like and give yourself at least 10 minutes to do nothing. When my kids were young, they would always come in and find me when I was practicing yoga and crawl on me. Now they're older and they could care less about what I'm doing. And now we have a dog who insists on stretching out on my mat or licking my face whenever I get down on the floor. This is why I'm saying to shut the door. We're talking about being selfish here, after all. I mean, shavasana, or corpse pose, is very grounding and restorative. It feels great to let your body sink into the floor and to keep your thoughts resting on your physicality instead of thinking about what you'll cook for dinner or how what somebody just did is really driving you crazy. You can roll up a blanket and put it under your knees. That feels awesome. Maybe fold a towel and put it under the back of your head. And then you just let yourself melt into the floor. But maybe your selfish shavasana is getting into bed and reading or calling a girlfriend. That's great. Just please don't use the time to scroll through social media. It's too easy to see something upsetting and your whole point here is to chill out. Everybody needs time alone and that includes you. Maybe the only place in your home to be alone is the bathroom. Hey, you can lie in the tub if you have one or just take some me time on the toilet. It all counts. And then. Come back tomorrow for a loving reality check about why the hard days feel so hard. 
I can't make those hard days go away. I wish I could, but I believe doing this will help them feel a little more manageable. Friends, I have exciting news to report. How to Be a Better Person has its first official sponsor. Whoop, whoop. And I couldn't be more excited about who it is. It's Manta Sleep, who makes what I believe to be the dreamiest sleep masks known to humankind. And I am a sleep mask aficionado. These sleep masks are comfortable, they stay put, and they really do live up to their 100% darkness guarantee. The first night I slept with my Manta mask, my sleep tracker said I slept 8 hours and 18 minutes, which definitely helped me face the realities of quarantine life with more grace the next day. I'm psyched to be working with Manta because being better rested helps make you a better human. To go get a look at these beauties for yourself, go to mantasleep.com and use the code BETTER in all caps to save 10% off a sleep mask of your own. You can also find Manta Sleep on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. That's Manta, M-A-N-T-A, like the sea creature, sleep. Thanks for listening to How to Be a Better Person. Our theme song is Left for Deadish by Junior85. The podcast is mixed by Sound Advice Strategies. If you liked what you heard in this episode, share it with someone you think would like it too. Your voice matters. Also, How to Be a Better Person has an official newsletter that sends the past seven episodes, a sneak peek of the week ahead, and one well-chosen meme to your inbox every Saturday morning. Sign up at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com and click on Get Podcast News. I also love to hear from listeners. I mean, I love it. Send me an email by clicking on the Contact Kate button at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com. Tweet me at Kate Han, K-A-T-E-H-A-N, or find me on Instagram at Kate Hanley Author. I look forward to connecting with you.